It's acro. Before we start the episode today, I have two things. One, you know that survey I'm conducting on like demographic makeup and preferences within the Blueberry community? Uh, after this episode drops, you will have one week to complete the form if you haven't already, or to spread the word if you, you know, didn't on the first go around. After that, I'm cutting it off and just sorting through the data to make it presentable. Um, two, my audio just decided to crap out during the recording sessions for this uh, episode, so I sound weird. My mic's old. It finally decided to give up the goat. I'm getting a new one next paycheck. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show. Okay, bye. The following podcast contains coarse language and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, very fuckers. Welcome to the Jushima Podcast. Uh, my name is Agro. And I'm Greg Abbott's secret mistress. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Greg Abbott. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, spilling his dirty little secrets all over this podcast. He's a dirty, dirty little boy. It's no wonder he's a piece of shit. <laughs> no wonder he's a piece of shit. He's hiding a truly, truly, truly... I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no. Hey, welcome, uh, Greg Abbott, secret mis- mistress. What the fuck is fuck is sassy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is the this is the juicing room. We we have returned, and but uh, before we start, I would just like to say that just sort of as like our little introduction and meet and greet banter, uh, we are now on most podcast apps, on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere, um, baby. A few smaller apps. The The process of getting all that stuff lined up was uh, a bit of a hassle. Did not realize there was a lot of uh, network stuff with podcasting. But once you get it, you get it. Uh, I hope you all are able to listen to it however you do, be it in the video format with all the cutaways or in the audio format with podcasts with, you know, whatever you use. Because, uh, you know, we're everywhere now. Um, you can, you but, can hear our beautiful uh, voices on the go now. I'll tell you, checking like lo- looking your shit up, like looking our looking our little stuff up, and just seeing the fucking seeing little Orla is it's the best thing ever. I've never been proud. I love scrolling through my podcast app and seeing her alongside Robert Evans and also Robert <laughs> Evans and every 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 fucking podcast from Robert Evans I listen to. <laughs> it's it's such a fucking weird thing to to do that, you know. And I'm very very happy we did the squared away because. I wasn't able to originally start just putting the audio on like podcasting apps because that that was costly. That was like you know it was very expensive to host. But like I found out about or somebody or I found out from the platform we use. I cut out Anchor because I, I don't I don't want to like spoil it too much. Uh, but uh, I found out about the app from I think somebody. Maybe it was a commercial. I don't know. Somebody pulled an Inception. They went inside your head and like just implanted the idea there. Uh, probably would happen, you know. Uh, and if you did suggest it to me and I forgot, I'm sorry. My brain is mud. <laughs> I've been learning, as you can tell, I've been learning Japanese the past several weeks, and it has thoroughly reduced my ability to speak language well, or my confidence in speaking language. I can still speak. It, it was a, it was a hassle to get all the episodes in line and put together, and it was very interesting to you know go back on stuff and reflect on it. The the platform itself has its own little ending tools. Where you can just put stuff together, and I'm very happy we get squared away. Um, and I look forward to you know promoting more and, and growing more from that. But yes, Hesse, how you been doing? 
How, how, how has everything been? Greg Abbott's secret lover, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, been, I've been doing a little bit of that on the side. You know, I've been uh, learning a little bit more about his secret fetishes. You know, he's, he's really, he just really gets off on just watching children cry. Like, you can't, you can't take him to the fucking dog. grocery store without him just getting a fat chub every That's... time he hears the sound of children crying. I don't know if that's supposed to be upsetting or funny or both, and I can't... <laughs> And uh, he that that also would not be surprising if that was actually the case because that man is a monster. Uh, yeah, his but, his yeah. fetishes definitely dictate how he he governs. Um, also for the sake of uh, for the sake of legal action, like this is entirely a joke. This is all entirely satire. If this was on Twitch, uh, we are saying in the game only. <laughs> yeah, he only does this in Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only in Minecraft. I just don't have anything personal to report. It's just, it's, it's, it's been. That's fair. Yeah. So yeah, apart from me having to do more cardio because apparently I'm, I'm starting to get risky for spicy, spicy heart, <laughs> spicy heartbeat. Oh yeah. Actually, ever since the, um, ever since the, the COVID numbers went down in my place, I've been going back, back to the gym and working out, getting, I've been doing a lot of cardio. I am the dumbest when it comes to cardio. Uh, the first, the day my doctor told me I needed to do cardio, I went home, I, I took a nap, I got up and I walked until I physically couldn't. And I have no idea why I did it because that was the stupidest thing I ever did. Like, that was the stupidest thing I could ever, ever do. I just ruined my legs for the next three days. <laughs> I've been, I've been running 5Ks. Fuck me. That's incredible. Yeah. I, 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 I tried that when I was younger. Uh, whenever like we did youth stuff with the church, they had a 5K at a couple events, and I was like, "I'll do that." And I was like, "I'm not doing that." And I was like, "Yeah, I am. I am a foolish man." <laughs> so, so nothing new to report other than just the the, the usual. Uh, do you want to just segue that into the next bit? Let's uh, let's uh, segue over to the clip review. All right. Um, this was tied for the first week, I think, for the first couple of days, and then. The the clip pulled through. Do you want to say what it is? Do you want me to say what it is? Actually, I totally I have forgot. no preference. <laughs> I totally forgot the name of the the actress. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. We're recording this at night, so I think yeah. I think some of us are a little bit like in that loopy. We're a little bit loopy right now. Yeah. Uh, the clip is the only blueberry clip uh, Helena Strong ever did. Uh, it's called Three Course Dinner Gum. Very simple title. Uh, and uh, what 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 were your first reactions with it? So, uh, actually, I wasn't expecting this to be as dynamic as it was. Like, there were was actually... Yeah. There was actually a story going on. There were multiple characters involved. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, there is... Uh, people People say Fred is infamous. I find Fred very funny. This is the first... This is my first introduction to Fred. Is he, uh, is he a regular mainstay? I don't think so. I think he's just in a couple videos, like, occasionally. Uh, or he was. I don't know if he still is. He's he's a guy who comes in something. He's not like not terrible. Like some people are like, ah, oh, Fred ruins it for me. I'm like, okay, well, th that's that sounds like you probably like right? because because he's a guy. He's a guy in in my porn vid that I want to like whack off to. And if <laughs> and if there's a guy in my porn video, it's it's gay. Even though he doesn't even really do anything except for like just run <laughs> run away like a coward. <sighs> Uh, the, the entire video is very fun because H Helena has always been or ha had always been when, like in her videos. She has she has a fuck ton of videos on Taylor's site and, and she was a frequent like model on, on Taylor's 
sites. I think she was exclusive only to feminine clips, if I'm not mistaken. I couldn't find her on anything else. Uh, unlike Kimberly Marvel, Caroline Pearson, like, I think even Helen Webster, like Helena was one of the only like Taylor exclusive people. One of the only people that Taylor would get yet. And like that that was only, you know, only that that collection, I guess. And she's very expressive. <laughs> oh, she's she's very expressive. Really... Like I I really I... dug her hamming it up the whole way through. I, I complained the she last heard. two videos about like how the actresses in the last two videos kind of Squealing. rode that line between like, you know, kind of funny, but also kind of grating. Like this one did not really have that problem at all. She was just, she was just great all throughout. I think partially it has to do with Helena's voice. She has a much deeper voice than the other girls in terms of like how porn like categorizes women. Cause porn somehow does that. Uh, she's an Amazon. She's tall. Like she's really tall. Ooh. Yeah, I noticed when she stood up uh, that she, like, I, I mean, I thought it was just the suit, but she really just is that tall, I guess. Yeah, no, like, the like the suit is big, but she's bigger than it. Oh, I, I uh, might want to see more and, videos of her without the suit. Then. <laughs> she's got, she's, like, in a very interesting sweet spot in terms of my own tastes. Because, like, like, I'm a huge fan of Helena and stuff. And she's belly-centric stuff. She's very... People like people would say tomboyish, butch. Like I don't know, I don't know. If it, but she's kind of got that vibe that she's strong. I think this is where I got my Zaria thing. I mean, if I'm not gonna be, if I'm gonna be honest. Like, uh, it's why I have that stupid fucking icon that I have. It's a very interesting. It's a very dynamic clip. Very interesting clip. There's a lot going on, and there's a very, it, a very strong story. Like you know, Horde is not known for having plot, and this one has. A, a stronger plot than like I think most porn would need and most videos like this would need it because you can't make a non-translation video it's kind of hard not to I don't want to oversell it like it's not like it's not an art film but like when it comes to consuming a lot of Taylor's content there is that issue of like uh repetition where like the clip kind of just drags out for long periods of time and nothing really happens there are a couple moments where, like, you can kind of just sort of skip over and get the gist of it, but like, not a lot. There's always something going on, and that that I think that's just sort of like because you know usually when that happens, it's it's a, like an actress just not knowing how to familiarize herself with it, not improving or not explaining that. Mm. At least at least that's my sort of takeaway from it because like, you know, it's it's pretty easy to get across what's happening. You. You're filling with a liquid. It's very weird. You can do a thousand things with that. Some people just go, you know, the, the, oh God, oh fuck. And, you know, it happens. It's not the worst thing. It's just, you know, it can be a bit repetitive. That is my one nitpick with this video. Uh, she says liquid, like, way too many times. <laughs> it's really funny. The way she says it, too, it's like... It's, it's Get like, a thesaurus there, lady! It's, it, yeah. He Helena, if, if anyone could exemplify a strong bimbo, that is... Helena sometimes she wasn't a ditz by any means she's not stupid but she's she has that vibe I guess she's mm. Amazon she's tubby she's and she's got that sort of you know down-to-earth kind of feel yeah like vibe kind of comes through in a lot of her actions in this uh in this clip because I feel like she's a lot more of a proactive player in the situation than a lot of the other oh, yeah. actresses in the situation are like, I mean, yeah, she's stuck at her desk for a little bit of it, but she actually goes to the trouble of calling this guy up, explaining what happened and like trying to 
get to the bottom of what's going on. I I would I would pay so much money to figure out how that was like shot, what scene was shot first, because like you know one of those they were not filmed concurrently, but that would require two cameras synchronized to switch. It's not a live recording. I I would love to see like it, it was Fred filmed first, and did he know what he was supposed to say? And it was Helena filmed first. And then did Fred have to improv to that? It, I don't know. It, like, she's very good at improv too. She's very mm. good at like just sort of working with the situation. It, this, like I said, this was one of her last clips. I think the Taylor made clips ever because she she had she went through a lot of different hair phases, a lot of wigs, a lot of ca- colors and stuff. And red was the last stuff before she left, and this is her red hair stuff. The fa- my favorite scene is when th- she flaps her arms twice and she's like wimp like she's like whining or uh, like she's she's very much annoyed by the fact that it's happening. she flaps her hands twice and then the belt pops off <laughs> and she goes from this like very exaggerated very much like not this is not supposed to be how a human shaped shape to a small orb in a chain <laughs> it's just really funny it's really cute and I, I i love that kind of stuff it's really cute it's really kinky because like helen has got there are different degrees of kinkiness you know there's different degrees of being alluring and helena is that she's that kind of i think it's the confidence i think it's the confidence you know i'll, I'll put it there like that's that's where the origin is and if i find out something else about missing let the audience know. <laughs> i thought her acting like managed to toe that line really well between like realistic and believable and like sort of b horror acting if you know what i mean like it, yeah. It's sort of at the, yeah, it's like it's sort of at that nice sweet spot between the two where like you're obviously like convinced that she's uncomfortable and in a scary situation, but it's hammy enough that you can still like enjoy it and not be too put off by it. Oh, 100 percent. It's 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 that it's that nice little line. And yeah. there are many por- porn pornos that are where it crosses the lines where it is more B movie than it is porn. And there are many B movies that are. Uh, <laughs> this is less B movie and just porn. Like you get me? Yeah. Like, everyone walks that line in that sort of realm of filmmaking, and this this is one of the areas where it sort of walks the walks the line very well between the two, and carries the the best parts of both. I don't want to overstate it, but I don't want to understate. It. Helena is very good. At she what she was doing for Tim. She is retired now, so I have to say had is. Uh, I don't know. I think she just she wants to go do other things. People people do things. <laughs> well, wherever she is, I hope she's doing well. Same. I I have this terrifying, but like I have this terrifying anxiety, and it's it's a stupid anxiety that like I'm just gonna be walking around high V one day and I'll just see somebody from like a video, and that'll never happen. I live in bumfuck nowhere. They are not moving out here. <laughs> like this is the state of Missouri. They're not moving out. They don't want to live in misery. It that yeah. It I mean, we, th- there's a reason why we, we want everyone to leave. You get in, you get out, done. <laughs> uh, no, I have this. I, I have this sneaky suspicion that like any of these retired models that are like, I'll just run into on accident, and I'll just be like, well, what do I do? <laughs> I, I I'd probably just mind my own business, let them go about their day. I and... would. Imagine if you were a porn actress and somebody walked up to you and said, like, oh, hey, yeah. I remember you from insert, like... If it wasn't, like, at, like, Exotica or something like that, you know, it would be extremely bizarre. Unless you're somebody who's so mainstream that, like, 
it's impossible for you to, like Mia Khalifa from Bella Dancer, you know? Yeah. Uh, unless you're somebody so exclusive and so known for that that it's impossible to remove your name from that connotation. You know, I'm sure you'd expect that. But, like, I, I, I would truly let them mind their own business. It's just be like, wow, this is, I don't know how to process this. And so I would short circuit and die. And, and, and you know, it was kind of interesting to see, like, all this stuff Helena has made in perspective. Because she made a lot more than I originally remembered. Like, there's this, this, there's this video. Uh, and then there's all her belly videos and Amazon videos. And I think a couple soft dominatrix videos or soft dom videos Ooh. that are really interesting. Uh, but this video is very, it's got, you know, it's the basic story is there's a meeting that's supposed to happen about this piece of candy at, it's never specified what it is beyond the candy company, which is like fun because you can just put anything there. You can be like, awesome. no, it's the same stupid thing. No, it's just some, like somebody's new idea. And then you get Helena, just, you, you get her calling up uh, Fred and being like, hey, we're supposed to be having a meeting. What the fuck are you? And nothing, nothing happens until you know the pie and soup and shit starts happening. And she's like, "Well, I guess I'll blue." Everybody is to blame in this situation. Like she ate the candy when she wasn't supposed to, and he was late for the meeting. So like everybody fucked up. <laughs> Fred walks in in a hot dog costume. We're we're both trying to figure out what caused it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get this guy <laughs> but, but he's the one who gets to go off scot-free because he doesn't explode at the end oh poor helena what well at least she went out with a bang with him although we didn't it's a shame that we didn't even really get to see much of a pop like it's it's another one of those ambiguous clips where like you don't really know what happened and that was another nitpick i had where like come on come on commit to the bit i want to see some bitch explode you you will uh, I will probably put up some newer clips uh, in this in the poll like we'll probably like, there is a period of time in which there's a lot more popping because there's a high demand for it or there's like this I don't know uh, there was a there's a period where people wanted it more and then people are like that's too much it, that's like they're like it's too much popping and it reminded me of that scene from Courage Cowardly Dog with the macaroni and cheese and baby Muriel. <laughs> it's just that bullshit. Cause like, it, cause you know, Taylor's just been making blueberry stuff since uh, Kimberly, Marvel, Holly Webster, Beulah and Mika. Like since she's been making that stuff since then. And I think she's wanted to for a while before that, but like she like, she, she's done a lot of different ideas and you know, there, she's done popping scenarios. She's done non popping scenarios. She's done everything. She's done full sinking, like body parts and stuff. Like, she's a one lady operation. It, it, it's not like she. I think she hires an editor. But that's that's about it. Maybe maybe an assistant, but she's she's it. So she she puts out a lot of interesting ideas. And like yeah, a lot of the newer clips have come. A lot of them have cross eyes too. And I, I can't wait to get to that point because like I wonder if that started with Jenna J. Ross. Like I feel like it did. So what are we gonna rate this one? I now have committed fully to the blank out of blank joke. That doesn't mean anything because I don't believe these videos like your e-ratings. Uh, five belt pops out of six, <laughs> and it's just going to be five different images of Helena's belt pumping. Uh, I I'm gonna give it five Freds out of five. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do with that? I need to make a note of this. He walks into that scene, you know, and he just goes, oh! 
fucking big smoke from GTA. <laughs> if I ever met Fred, I would I would buy that man a beer. He, Helena is the person trying to take the situation seriously, and he's the comedic foil who is both ha- having a blast with it and being weird. <laughs> he's just like. Oh, well, I guess we fucked up. Well, well. Hi, uh, Sassy from the future here. Uh, speaking of fucking up, for whatever reason, Agro's audio just randomly cut out for, like, an entire minute. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if it was on them or if it was on Discord, but I just wanted to butt in so that we can more smoothly transition over to the Artist of the Week segment, uh, without having to abruptly cut to that. Uh, back to the show. It's Villa. It's Villaroo. Our artist of the week is Villaroo. Uh, yes. Uh, Vill has been making some very interesting fun, uh, for a while now. And I've been meaning to feature her. We've been meaning to feature her. Because, you know, she's very, she, she does a lot of fun stuff. I, I love the attention to detail in her shapes. I love the... Uh, I love how she draws really good fat rolls. Yes. Uh, the thing that I like about doing the artist of the week is I get to, like, you know, take stock of an artist as somebody who studied art for a while and see how their style has evolved and solidified where it began and where it came from and where it has arrived at, like came to. And Villaroo, uh, their style has evolved in a very interesting way to be very much more their own, very much unique, very expressive over time. It was expressive in the beginning, but it got more expressive and more interesting and and dynamic. And she's, she's got some good shapes. She's got very good shapes. She also has a really cool cast of characters who keep returning for, like... Oh, God, yeah. All different kinds of fucked up scenarios. Like, not even just blueberry inflation, not even just, like, fruit transformation, but, like, so much weird stuff. Like, I, I don't know, there was one where she did, like, a like a stretchy transformation at one point where, yeah. like, one of her characters just turned into, like... Like fucking Taffy, basically. Like, like Taffy, like Plastic they just, Man. They just became the consistency of what happens when Plastic Man overextends. <laughs> uh, th- there was a there was a boob slug transformation that she did. That was so fun to see. That is and that is it's so just... cool. That is so creative. And I I kind of oh, yeah. want to do something like that. I I you know I encourage that kind of exploration because you know it's not it's not for everybody. Obviously, some of you are just like I just like the balloon shapes and that's fucking great. Mm. I, I I like it when we when you know like when we look at the concept of size inflation transformation stuff. I like the array of things that that covers because, like, if you look at the uh, changing size, what's changing size and why? How is it changing size? What's filling? What's what's not? It, like, what is growing in size? Basically, in inflation, it's sort of how is how is something blowing up? What what is blowing up? And in transformation, there is the the same fucking concept of how, what, when, where, and you can get like you can get mental transformation. You can get all you can get all this. Stuff. And exemplifying that through, like, bizarre, interesting creature, you know, crazy fun experimental transformations allows the mind to think of things in different ways, you know, different dimensions of ways. And she has a really good eye for that sort of thing. One of my favorite pieces that she did within the last year was this blueberry inflation sequence uh, with two of her OCs. Like, she has at least two different blueberry inflations where she, she has like these two lesbian OCs, um, Madeline and Rami uh, and Madeline R- R- Rami, uh, R- Ramia, I think it's yeah, pronounced. Rami. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
so she did one with Madeline, and then she did this other one with Ramia. And there's something about there was something about one of the images in the sequence towards the end, like the second to last image, where she's like she's so inflated, like she's practically. First of all, I love how she differentiates different juice pressure, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Where like. Yeah. Different sections of the body. Yeah, where like it kind of starts out all floppy and squishy and you can really see the texture of it but then like the more they fill up it's like they become like hard and taut and in this this example it's like right, she, beca basically. she becomes so taut and like spherical that you can actually see that her um her limbs have also swelled up to the point where they're like completely yeah, immobile the, the, the vestiges of hands and feet yeah i know what you're yeah the vestiges of like i love i love that attention to detail it has inspired a lot of my uh, work going forward because I just I want to emulate that that kind of gravity yeah like sunken limbs are cool but like having them swollen to the point where you can barely even like move your like fingers or toes like that's just that's just great like even even the regular stuff even like the kind of stuff you come to expect from inf inflation artists she has a very specific yeah. flair for like oh yeah uh, a lot of that stuff I don't know how to say this in a natural way but like her stuff is very very sapphic like it just gives off this. Yeah, this major... I mean, I would, I would totally agree. Like there, there is a there, there is a very specific kind of tension that is unique to uh, her stuff, and I, and I like, I, I've kind of had the fortune of talking to her about it, seeing like her creative process with it, and just, you know, she's very open about it, you know, pleasant stuff, and she like once she gets comfy, but like uh, the way that I would describe her work, because every artist that comes on, like every artist that that we talk about. There is a gravity and undercurrent of like overindulgence, hedonism, sort of giving into that sort of intrigue that that taboo, uh, you know. And sometimes good, sometimes bad. But usually, it's it's usually very executed in a way where that even if it like is a bad thing, it's it's very pleasurable and very interesting, and it's a very interesting experience because she does have the two OCs, and when she renders other people's OCs, she tries to I think get into the mind and the characterization of that character in that context. Like she, she has a very unique attention to specific details that makes her art unique in this community. That that's something I like seeing when we talk about artists here is something that makes them, you know, stand out and, and self actualize feels like a weird thing because that's like something else. But like you know, it, it come into themselves, you know, and, and exemplify their work because this is art. At the end of the day, this is a form of art, and. A lot of people, I think, are just really quick to brush that part off, to look at that as, you know, kink art is nothing. It's No, sexual art is very important to have, and it's very expressive to have, you know? Like, there is there is an, an attention to detail and, like, a complexity to, like, the process of all of this. E even if you're put off by the subject matter, like, you have to appreciate the craft work that goes into a lot of this. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of sci-fi that, that captures that similar element but falls short because since it's falling into sci-fi and it's not really delving into the psychological delving into the gross icky muck stuff that that makes the things it's trying to capture taboo like uh like alien alien in, uh, to some people is is phallic it's it's meant to sort of be this this phallic shape but after a certain point it's not the alien series deviated from that kind of meaning it's deviated from that kind of thing and it just it just got commodified to death. Yeah, and that's one perspective on Alien, the original. Like I'm like, I can see that argument. I don't fully agree because it didn't commit to the bit. 
it didn't fully commit to that that idea of the total transformation and alteration of the movie, like which is very key to that. You know, I I enjoy when people pay attention to that. I I have a taste for pretty much every kind of art under the sun, and I just love it when people look at the stuff they want to make. They they have a vision, they look at that vision, and they just dive headfirst into it. Even so much of the crazy stuff she does, it's like I even if even if I don't even if I'm not really like. <laughs> Even if it's not my bag, baby, uh, you know, I I appreciate the fact that she just goes for it. Like a lot of it is just really creative and out there. Very rarely do I think people use fetish art as a form of. I don't use any sort of art like this as as a method or as as an instance of looking at themselves, reflecting upon themselves, in inspecting themselves, and this kind of art is that kind of exploration or it allows that kind of exploration. You can just sort of dive into it and explore the, uh, the sensations your brain emulates because of the images you are seeing, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. The way that I would convey it with my ASD brain is you don't feel the slime, but your brain does. It's going back to that special word again, tactility. Tactility. And that's, I think that's something that, that sets apart fetish art or kink art from like standard gallery art or like standard erotic art because standard erotic art, like it's supposed to convey eroticism in jet, like it's art, but it's erotic mm-hmm. uh, fetish and, and sexual art. Uh, the tactility and the, the feeling you're supposed to get is more important than the erotic message. Like you're not supposed to see the vague shape of a penis or a vulva. You're supposed to, the, the what you see is what you get. There's not really a deeper meaning unless the artist somewhat intends it. Like you see that, and what you see and feel is your experience with that image. It's often never looked at that way. I I, I really wish there was more interesting dialogue about fetish because it's weird and it's it's fun to see that kind of shit. Like we can talk all day about how much Picasso contri- contributed to our community. I love doing it. Like at some point, I want to sit around a very low burning coal fire like a coal campfire like midnight with a bunch of just random other and be like all right so how much has sex influenced the art world how much of art is around because a bunch of like you know furries with very specific kinks commissioned art how much of these things exist and these ideas and conveyances exist and these styles exist because you know like i I just want to think about that for like five minutes i mean it's I would love to see people do that. Sex is a taboo subject in our society, and yet we never give it the amount of credit it deserves for, like, contributing to how art and art inspiration comes into play. Would you like to sort of half segue this into the next segment? Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I have a way of doing it. All right, so this is our segment. We now have a name for it. Because this has sort of been a concurrent thing. It's called Heavy Stuff. If you're watching the video portion of the podcast, right here will be the transition. As a society, we collectively, like, there are, there are many different papers and examinations on this. As a society here in America and in the great West, there is a taboo around sex that is very specific to it. Uh, a very specific flavor or positioning uh, or belief around sex that is tied to Puritanism, tied to Christianity, tied to evangelism, and tied to general people would say conservatism and you know i would somewhat agree i'd also say it's, it's more just sort of this traditionalist ideal that sex is something to be 
concealed, coveted, and not explored outside of privacy, you know? And so that brings us to the lovely and uncomfortably common subject of NoFap. <laughs> or just just anti-horny culture, like, in general. Because I feel like God. there's a bit of a spectrum to it. Like, there's the, like, okay, so imagine, oh, like, there the, is. imagine, like, the iceberg meme. Like, at the top, at the very, very top of the image, like, not even on the iceberg, it's, like, you've got people who are, like, not anti-sex per se, but they feel uncomfortable about uh, the subject being brought up in non-sexual spaces. You know, like, they're just... They're just kind of tired of like, you yeah. know, horny posting. I basically. do not like talking about stags. I do not like when you spread your legs. I do not like them on TV. I do not like them on my PC. I do not like stags <laughs> anywhere. I do not like sex with or without hair. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was entirely serious. That was amazing. Bravo. But then, like, further down, like, towards, like, the, the bottom of the iceberg, you get the fucking weirdos who are like, oh, like, you do. if you if you go without masturbation for a long time, <laughs> you will enter the quantum realm from Ant-Man. Like, you will there are, actually... Like, there, there's, there's the meme. There's the meme, and then there's the people who legitimately, legitimately believe that, who are very few, but are very annoying. They're the embodiment of, like, the every sperm is sacred segment from Monty Python. They are so <laughs> weird and crazy. It is just such a weird rabbit hole to go down. Joe Tonto, aren't you saving your sperm? <laughs> what? <laughs> weird squish noises. Like, it's, it's... Is that a fucking JoJo's Bizarre Adventures reference? <laughs> NoFap is... It's not... This is... We're, we're using NoFap, but what, what I'd really like to state it is is, is the pervasive hyper puritanical culture which is a mouthful of words so no fap is easier uh and it's not unique to conservatism it's not unique to leftism it's unique to a specific brand a specific type of like it's, it's unique to the west uh because it in in, in the things that the west has touched basically <clears throat> this idea that sex is not just sacred but that talking about it makes it infernal thinking about it makes it infernal this idea that men must go on sexual conquests but also save themselves for women and that women should be able to be the most versatile sexual creatures once they're married to their husbands but they cannot have any experience before their husbands. You know, it's the idea that sex work isn't legitimate work uh, to anybody, uh, which greatly uh, John Oliver did an episode on sex work, which is like one of the first times I've seen like somebody of you know, high regard doing that kind of deep dive stuff, talking about sex work uh, and it possibly being seen by people who can actually listen and do something as opposed to people on YouTube bored and trying to not panic. <laughs> NoFap and this anti-sex, anti-comfortable sexuality is so toxic. And I'd like to talk about some of the findings I've had with uh, this study. If, that's okay. Do you have some stuff you'd like to add before I do so? Because I don't want to take up too much time talking. I don't think so, except for the fact that it's, you know, based on what you said about, like, you know, this purely being a Western thing, like, this is very weirdly popular in a lot of, like, neo-fascist circles. Like, apparently, like, the Proud yes. Boys are big into NoFap. It's so bizarre. It is, it it, is really it, bizarre. It, it, it's part of their initiation ritual, if I'm not mistaken, is you're supposed to make take a vow of, like, no no masturbation and you know if if you have a problem seek help do not seek it from a fascist street gang <laughs> i mean i mean like you know there is a fine line between like 
you know, like if you have a serious, if like, you know, if porn is like a serious addiction for you, then like maybe therapy would help. Yeah. Then therapy helps. Therapy would help. Yeah. But not like, but like not the kind of therapy that, that demonizes sex workers and porn, the kind of therapy that tells you, Hey, what you went through happens. People do get addicted to things and, and we can work through this. You just have to take the steps necessary. We can't make addiction this demon, like this demon thing. We have to make it this, you know, humanized thing. Like that, that, that's how you solve it. You solve porn addiction, not by saying it's the devil and Satan, which is how half of those programs work. It's the devil, Satan, and human trafficking, which is not how any of those things function in any way. It's, it's, it's a lot more complicated and nuanced than, oh, I have a lapse in judgment. I am a terrible person for watching. And that kind of came out of two different sectors of the populace somehow that, that were of opposite ends. That came out of very specific kinds and branches of feminism. And that came out of very specific kinds and branches of conservatism. And they both uniquely latched on to porn as the divisive issue as opposed to the systemic things that contributed to issues, you know? Mm. Like, and it is it is kind of a complicated subject because, like, on one hand, you do have oh, yeah. the perspective of, you know, sex workers i mean the porn industry is can be shady and it people do it get exploited yeah. in it so you know you there's know, there a is... lot of there's a lot of libertarians running a lot of shady businesses uh, for the purposes of what they consider free speech hmm. and like you know that's that's shady but if the conversation is constantly co-opted by some bleeding heart jesus freak trying to you know, end somebody's ability to make a living why the fuck would they they listen to them that's the that's the thing i don't think anyone really thinks about too much you know it's it's this is a complex conversation to have and we can't have it because that your your blonde bible thumping aunt in the corner will will scream if you even mention the concept of porn in her presence like and and that has to do with a lot of issues like there's probably a lot of reasons that happens like it's just again that's the royal you the, the gen the general you it's not like any mm -hmm. specific person so if that happens to you, I am so sorry. Yeah, no, we're not we're not calling uh, out anybody in particular except for you, David. You know what you did. You know what you did. But no, okay, like I'm I'm currently running that little that little study because I, I was curious. I've always been, as a social scientist, curious about niche, very small collectives on the internet. That there's there have been studies on on niche subcultures that only exist in small like uh, youth centers or like youth juvenile detention centers or in uh, small collectives of homeless people like there is there there are very interesting studies you can take away uh, concepts from in terms of small groups and I think people mock that a lot and what I found with the one that I'm running you know with the podcast right is um, a lot of people are very much repressive of their they're repressive of the thing that they like. They, they've been told that it's, or they've, they've, they've internalized this idea that it's not okay. Or they've gone through certain things. And I won't talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil too many of the things that influence it. But like a lot of people have shared some interesting insights and stories that have sort of painted a picture of what it's like to be somebody who would be considered, quote, deviant in America, deviant in the West, deviant from what people would consider the norm. And hearing those stories, like, gives me both a sense of solidarity and genuine heartbreak. It's it's a lot to read. The, and then I have a secondary study about paid content, 
uh, and one answer stood out to me about how like people don't you know like to pay for porn because there's this weird cultural cultural perception from these no fat guys from these people who are like uh, that, that there's this idea that simps pay for porn that's so stupid you know there's nothing wrong with being a simp you know people people like porn people like sex that's just how we that's just how people function you know unless unless they're asexual which that's valid too who gives a shit whether or not some random dude thinks you're a simp for buying amaranth's porn or for buying allison ray's only fans for going to meg turney's website and buying a photo set. Who, who gives a shit what you do with your money and life like so long as you're not hurting anybody so long as you're not perpetuating what harm is there in doing what you do and what, what how is that how is how are you a simp how are you doing anything like that kind of mindset hurts people and it's 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 just self-destructive it's just it's just a word to shut down conversation like it's the same thing that it's a thought it's, terminating it's, cliche it's a thought terminating cliche it's like to today what white knight was in 2015 it's just anybody who has like a legitimate criticism of real things real things or like you know just misogyny or racism in our culture it's like somebody comes up and says like oh you're just you're just being a white knight you just want to get in her pants you're saying all the the right things because you want to have sex with her and it's like no but even if i was doing that i'm not wrong <laughs> she, like that's not she, the point even then even then that's really funny like there's a certain right number of things to say to get in someone's pants <laughs> sorry it's the most absurd thing i talked to a friend today in my, from my japanese class about some of the shit she has been sent by just people trying to what is essentially trying to cheat code their way into her pants and it doesn't work if she doesn't not no she's very self-assured and they're they're nagging her things you know the pickup patterns and those don't work there's no cheat mm -hmm. code magic cheat code to get in yeah no pants. the only magic cheat code is being a genuine person and being sure of yourself and being comfortable in your skin and the first step to doing that is accepting the fact that you have weird tastes, that you have interesting tastes, that there are parts of you that stand out, that make you different, that make your experience, your your tastes, your personality a different experience. And some people may not like that. Some people will love that. That's something you should embrace wholeheartedly. Or, uh, third possibility, you could be trans, you know? Have you, like, maybe I mean, thought about it? True. Considered it just try on a dress at some point see if you feel more confident that way <laughs> i i will speak from experience speaking from experience i was i had crippling social anxiety i never oh god yeah went on any dates when i was in high school or like early on in college because i i wasn't confident in myself i always felt like a predator whenever i tried to like flirt with somebody because i felt i felt this this weird shame about who I was and that was because I wasn't like I wasn't really fully comfortable in my own skin you know and it wasn't until you weren't yourself I wasn't myself I wasn't being authentic you know but now that I have a better understanding of myself and like I feel whenever I talk to people it feels a lot more authentic and I'm not afraid to even like talk about my interests in anymore like I used to have this big shame about sexual interests i had yeah. kinks i had growing up 
you know, and now I feel like they've become, now that I'm involved in all of these communities and now that I'm doing this podcast with you, I feel more open and, you know, liberated, you know, and that, that kind of confidence, like, will just more naturally attract people to you, to you. Like, you, you don't have to live in shame of the things you like. Yes, it's hard to reconcile it. It is absolutely the hardest thing to look at the things you like and how different they are from what you expect people to like, what you're expected or told people are expected to like. And it's hard to look at those things and be like, wow, I am such a weird. It's really hard not to do that. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to start telling yourself it's okay. Because there are people out there who like weirder things, and that's fine. There are people who do weirder things. There are people who... The world is profoundly weird. One of my favorite cartoons ever that has ever existed in this entire world is The Amazing World of Gumball. And there is a song in that fucking show that ne that, I, that never ceases to make me happy. Uh, and it's... Uh, and, and the main chorus is, nobody is a nobody, and everyone is weird like you and me. And that's it. That's the whole crux of this show is just everyone is this bizarre, crazy character. And it's a great message. Everyone has something unique about them. And sometimes that bizarre, unique thing could be kind of sexy, you know? Yeah. Let it, let it, let yourself be yourself. Let your freak flag fly. Yeah. It's hard sometimes. Sometimes it's because the people you live around don't like the thing that you're doing or know about stuff that you know. And that's hard to go through. And sometimes it's just hard to do because you're not sure of yourself. Just know that people are there to help and support you. Even if it doesn't seem like it, reach out, take time, explore yourself, go somewhere, and, and, and you'll eventually find somebody who will be there for you. I certainly did. And it, it you know, Sassy has. Like, once you find that group that, that cares about you, it really helps. Exactly. Basically, bottom line, don't, don't join NoFap. You just, that's, that's just psychological cutting. <laughs> that's all it is <laughs> i mean like i don't want to police you i don't want to say what you should or shouldn't do with your own body if you want to go long periods of time without masturbating then that's that's totally on you but like yeah, go ahead join the monastic order a bunch of guys being dudes for god <laughs> <laughs> like but don't do it out of a sense of obligation or shame like do it because yeah. that's what feels comfortable to you if you think that ah sex is icky you might be asexual and that's fine yeah that is totally fine there's, there's nothing wrong with thinking sex is icky. There's nothing wrong with thinking sex is fun. You know, it's like, just let, be yourself. Let people be people. And if somebody is being uncomfortably horny at an inappropriate time, just, just bonk them. Just, just, what, just what? Just oh, bonk, bonk them. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use, you use a wiffle ball bat for bonk. Use, use a wiffle ball bat. Don't. Bat for bonk. Um... Well, this was a nice note to end on, uh, telling people to support content creators and be uh, more comfortable in their kinky selves because we're going to talk to a content creator uh, who pretty much is living that uh, in, in our next interview. So shall we transition into that? Let's go! <laughs> and welcome to the interview portion of the podcast. My name is Agro here with Sassy Viper and our lovely guest, Veruca Gloop. Hello, everyone. I am Veruca Gloop, a.k.a. Fun Fetish, a.k.a. Vicky the Blueberry Girl. I am so happy to be on the juicing room. All right, so first question. How did you get into all this kinkery? 
had started by watching Wonka at a very young age and literally grew from there. I always felt weird watching the Violet scene since I was a kid and that's spread into other kinks like belly stuffing, weight gain, transformation, BDSM, too many to count. So what got you started as a content creator and what made you stop doing berry stuff? I was 18 or 19 and my boyfriend had similar kinks and he suggested we make our own website. The way he planned it out was like we were going to be rich with this website. We started with photo sets and then got the blueberry suit and started doing videos. That was 2007. It was a bunch of stuff that made us stop the first run. We had limited equipment, limited space, and limited ideas. And we did make some money from it, but it was not nearly enough to justify it. The suit was also a lot harder to blow up and get in and out of. I also got some hate online that bugged me way more than it should have. We just kind of did what we could with what we had. We didn't even use scripts. It was all just basic plan and then came up with lines as we went. We were not very polished. So you got your start in this community in like 2007. Like, how has the Blueberry community changed in the 15 years you've been a part of it? It has grown. When I first got into the internet scene, which was really early, there was like three Blueberry stories and a couple screen grabs on DimensionsMagazine.com. Since then, it has gotten so much more interesting and diverse. 3D, comics, fiction, suits, videos. We went from a handful of Blueberry clips on Quantum FX to everything we have now. Have you ever looked back at a video and thought, damn, I could make that one better, or like vice versa? Yeah, for years after I made the videos, I would look back at them from time to time and just feel embarrassed. Like my acting is so goofy, and the editing is bad, and there is no lighting. It makes me cringe, honestly. At this point, I have remade most of those original videos with my current setup, and they are so much better. Uh, what would you say is your favorite Blueberry aesthetic? Uh, do you prefer 71, 05, or the stage productions? 71. It's what I grew up on, and I love the shape and size way more than 05. 05 has really grown on me, but I'll take 71 any day of the week. What kinds of kinks, transformations, and etc. do you wish you could do but aren't sure you can? Helium-style inflation with floating in the air. Donkey transformation would be fun. I have ideas for mouse transformation. I wish I had a second suit that was flesh-colored for non-blueberry inflation. I have a cake transformation I'm going to try soon, so we'll see how that turns out. Care to share any elaborations, teases, or secrets? Any way people could help them make it a reality? I would not want to tease too much in case it does not come together. The trickiest part is special effects and editing, which I'm not the best at. The best help is to just keep supporting so I can keep doing it and learning. What would you say is your preferred role in like an inflation size or a transformation scenario? Like, are you more of a an inflatey or an inflator? Or I guess basically what I'm asking is like, are you a top or a bottom essentially? When I was a teen, I was totally on the villain inflator feeder side. Then as I got older and did more roleplay, I got way more into the victim role. At this point, I'm pretty solidly switch. I can do either if I'm in the right headspace, but I think inflatey is my preferred role. The, the flow. That is very interesting. Any scenarios people would not expect you to like? I just love humiliation. Name-calling, teasing. I love to feel blush on my face. I am very into CNC. 
So what, what's your thought process uh, in deciding what to do for a given clip? I have years worth of ideas I just use for role play or my own enjoyment, so I tap into that a lot. I try to keep the lines short and simple because my memory sucks most of the time. I try to write something I'd want to watch myself because I'm going to end up watching it 50 times when I edit. God, I feel that. What do you find yourself focusing on more when you edit? Any particular things detail-wise, stuff that like you want to minimize or maximize depending upon what you're going for? Or is it just dependent upon the video? Like, What, what do you look for? I really try to keep it fast-paced and cut out fluff. So many clips I see out in the wild are slow and have filler to pad the time. I want my clips to get to the point and focus on it. So what goes into maintaining your props, like such as the blueberry suit? I reckon that that's, uh, I reckon that there's a lot of maintenance into, I don't know, just making sure it doesn't, uh, making sure the fabric is still good. Like, I don't know, like I reckon the blueberry suit probably requires some maintenance. I'm bad at that. Most of that stuff is just thrown in the closet or in the attic when I'm not using it. The blueberry suit is PVC, so the only help it really needs is to be dry because it makes you sweat. I have had to clean off makeup that got transferred to it. It's pretty easy. The old suit sucked for that because it was latex and collected dirt and dust all the time. So it needed to be cleaned with latex cleaner. It was rough. I take it you prefer the PVC to latex because it seems a little less temperamental. Um, is that kind of a cost trade-off? Like, like, it takes less care to, like you know, take care of it, but like, it's more expensive. Like, I'm sure a lot of people are curious on how to like get their own suit and what the, that upkeep entails. So like, like, what would you recommend? Cause like, you know, I'm sure people either want to make their own content or they just want to just have one. I've seen people like just vibe in their own suits. <laughs> it comes down to personal taste and feel. I prefer the quicker in and out and easier care, but some people love the feel of latex and it has a huge fetish base. I will stick to PVC, but it is not for everyone. If money wasn't a factor, um, what would your dream project be? I have done a lot of my dream videos, but what I would really like is to have another woman I could film with. I have lots of ideas that would benefit from more women, but I don't have any fetish actresses near me, and I am sure they would charge more than I could afford. If you could, would you make or would you go to different like meetup events or like find a location between halfway between you and another model so you could sort of make a trip for like I'm fa I'm fascinated by networking for this kind of stuff so I've always wondered I have considered it I have a couple people who I may meet eventually but the reality is I have bad social anxiety I struggle in crowded places and meeting new people I am afraid I would disappoint people with me just standing there looking at my feet, not talking much. If it wasn't for that, I would love to meet people. A fan meetup might be fun. So to sort of wrap things up, here's, here, let's end on a fun question. If you were a permaberry, would you rather be like constantly spherical or would you need to be like regularly juiced in order to like maintain your, your more mobile form? Regularly juiced. That way I can still live my day-to-day -day life, but when nothing is going on, let's go back to full round and leave the TV on for me. Well, that just about wraps up the interview portion of the podcast. I know uh, you have a very busy schedule, and I didn't want to eat too much into that, and I know you want to get back to it, but um, thank you for coming on. I would love to have you on again and, you know, ask you more questions about the content creation experience. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back sometime in the future. 
you guys will be able to find uh, Veruca's various social medias and platforms both in our link tree and in our description with the stuff we can post because sometimes it flags uh, the websites that uh, we want to link to so that's why we have the link tree in the first place uh, but yeah you can find her in the description and the link tree and when this video or when this podcast goes up we will also happily retweet a few of her most recent you know video previews and like behind the scenes uh, photo shoots just so you guys can see what kind of stuff she's doing every day because she's making a lot of great content uh, thanks for coming on again veruca see ya bye and welcome back from our interview segment. Uh, up next, we have our news segment, as usual. Uh, and uh, Sassy would like uh, I, Sassy has the first headline of sorts, I guess. Now, uh, is that what it's called, headline? Let's <laughs> let's go to the news. So apparently, the Juiced Legacy, the uh, project that Max Groth is working on, uh, the one that we interviewed him for, the shooting date is supposed to start the last weekend of March, uh, according to him. He says it doesn't matter if the apocalypse happens, uh, which, I mean, it's looking increasingly more and more likely, depressingly. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, we're going to film that weekend. uh, So regardless of issues with the suit or actors or crew or whatever, we will film the best we can and make it work. But I have to put in place as many uh, redundancies as possible to try and mitigate any of those issues. So yeah, uh, that's going forward. And I look forward to see what they uh, have in store. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to this. I've I've loved hearing uh, Max talk about it and just talking to him about it and future plans and stuff. It looks very interesting. Uh, on to our next sort of thing. So this is more relevant to, to size kink, to fetism, to all that, to BBW. Um, but coming up very soon are a lot of award ceremonies for a lot of different uh, stuff. It's award season. You know, just like movies have award shows and Emmys have award show for TVs and movies. Just like all those things happen, we, ha- we are having, uh, I think it's the X-Biz, uh, though I don't know for certain I have to find it just to be absolutely 100 percent no it's the it's the Pornhub awards basically uh Pornhub is run by MindGeek which is a large uh for lack of a better term monopoly it is probably the best term uh MindGeek Entertainment's running the Pornhub awards and they have nominated their they've nominated their BBW plus sized award winners or award contestants and there has been a controversy surrounding that uh, the controversy being about like five of their selections are not plus-sized women uh they're just women with what could be considered normal standard uh body types and Pornhub has been called out for this extremely egregious and kind of weirdly stupid move uh by a lot of the models who were both selected and a lot of models who were passed over in favor of these uh smaller bodied models uh and there's been a lot of sex worker solidarity as opposed to division trying to you know show Pornhub like this shit is not okay uh, I know for a fact that both Gwen Adora and Cody Vore, two very prominent uh, members in various uh, fetish circles, have voiced their concerns about it, as well as as well as Siri Dahl, an activist uh, and a content creator who has done a lot more mainstream stuff. But yeah, generally speaking, uh, Pornhub done fucked up once again, not seeming to understand what the concept of a BBW is, which is not hard to grasp. I thought this was something we were past. Like I remember past instances of like. I don't know if this was Calvin Klein or some other underwear company, but I remember at one point there was this one ad campaign involving 
plus-sized models, and the model that they got for the promotional poster was just this fucking... She I, was very thin. The only way I could describe her is a twink. She's a fucking twink. With, like, maybe a little bit of meat on the hips. That's all it. The, the, the way in which the world fashions uh, body types and looks at body types is very shameful, and I do not like it. It has affected a lot of people in my life, a lot of people I've cared about, and I'm sure a lot of people that you, the listeners, have cared about. So, uh, yeah, that's happened. I actually, while we were doing this, I, I recalled there's another bit of news. SizeCon is having a meet and greet this weekend, uh, the weekend we are recording this. Uh, so by the time this comes out, it will have already happened. So hope you all enjoyed that. Hope you all who attended enjoyed that. And I hope you look forward to more uh, meet and greets and can engage with it. I personally can't. I have a conflicting event. Almost always this happens. I, I want to attend a meet and greet so bad. I have a competition coming up for uh, my Japanese class stuff. Uh, there's there's a, a Japanese language competition nearby. And uh, I have to do some practice for that just so that I'm ready. But yeah, that's all the news that we could find. Uh, if you have more interesting or important news, feel free to comment below. I, I believe we can pin comments on YouTube. I'm not certain. So we gave you some news, and now it's up to you to give us some news in return. <laughs> That's the law of equivalent exchange. If you want to show further solidarity for all kinds of people uh, who make content, uh, please uh, support your fellow content creators, support the people uh, in the way you can. And if you just want to support sex workers and content creators in general, donate to the Red Umbrella if I'm not mistaken, uh, I know Sydney Screams and a bunch of other creators have recently, due to global events and the ways it's affecting various groups of people, have been uh, promoting the Red Umbrella organization. So I think we should link the. I think we'll link them down below. But uh, hopefully, you guys are doing good here in this news. Remember, it's Red Umbrella, not Umbrella. Uh, very different <laughs> organizations. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was the news. We are now out of the news. And we gotta get a little light and airy for this next session. <laughs> a little uh, fizzy and uplifting, yes, if you will. Yes, we are now naming our segments definitively. So, uh, this next segment is fizzy and uplifting. As opposed to our front end, which is the heavy stuff, which uh, you saw earlier. That was all the... The, the heavy side layer, if you will. The, yeah, the, the gravid, uh, very complicated, nuanced stuff that has to do with you know deeply emotional deeply unsettling things we're talking about lighter stuff on this end we're talking about stuff that you know makes us happy can uh, further appreciation in the community further comfort sort of to lift you up and out wow that was an unintended wonka reference god damn it <laughs> and what better way to start the segment off than with a circle jerk <laughs> yeah sassy suggested the segment it was a very lovely segment idea because I don't think as artists, people are encouraged to look back at the stuff they're proud of. Often they're just told to keep making stuff. They're not allowed to reflect on it. And so sort of this segment is going to be a jumping off point using our works to encourage all of you to reflect on your works and the works of people you appreciate and stuff. So basically we're just going to reflect on some of the stuff that we're the proudest of how it came out and how we did it. Would you like, would you like to start us off? Since, we, since I have like, I think... One, two, three, four, and then five. Why don't you start, and then we can like, and then I'll, I'll, we'll just interplay between each. So I wanted to go through a bunch of, uh, I want to say some of my more underrated pieces. Although I realized that a lot of them got a lot more attention than I remembered them getting. Oh, yeah. For me, this was really more one that I, I didn't appreciate how well this came out until like long after I posted it. 
the Lady Gaga morph blew this way. Uh, picture of Lady Gaga sta- standing on stage as a blueberry with a big Mad Max chainmail <laughs> bikini, I guess. Yeah, the studded bikini. I- I'd like to say, you know, if this was real life, that would weigh so much. <laughs> be a very heavy leather bikini. So she wasn't wearing that in the original picture um, that I morphed, but I wanted to get a picture of her wearing something that would fit with this. And so I got that. That Basically, it's from another picture of her wearing that. Yeah, it's, it's Gaga-esque. Well, and what fascinates me the most is that I feel like this is something that is within her wheelhouse. Like, this is something that she would probably actually do oh, on yeah. stage just for shits and giggles. Because I know, I, I know, like, the whole meat dress era is kind of passe <laughs> for her, but, like, she's still known to do some weird shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, she method acted for, I think, House of... It wasn't House of Gucci. It was... House of Gucci. <laughs> was it for House of Gucci? It was, probably, wasn't it? You know, her her entire brand is just being an immersive and, you know, interesting character. So, yeah, you could actually... You could absolutely see her doing this. Uh, so, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, so, my first piece... Uh, I'm proud of this piece for two reasons. Um, one, I was proud of this entire collection, more or less. There are a few pieces I wish I worked harder on or I've put more thought into, but generally speaking, it's uh, it's it's the TaylorMade Clips model Dita Day as a as a giant monster as a kaiju. There was a period of time while I was learning how to do digital art on a tablet I no longer use, a Samsung tablet. Uh, where I would just I would take pictures, I would trace the outlines of models, and then I'd color them in, you know, characterize them a specific way, make them like a a giant monster or take on the hallmarks or looks of a giant monster and sort of work with that. I like it. Yeah, and I was proud of it because of how it turned out. I have two, actually. There's two different ones. This is the second part, um, and they're both taken. They're both screenshots or screen grabs from a TMC video, Uh, but I did that. And another fun thing is uh, the the first reason I'm proud of it is because it came out pretty much verbatim as i intended it which was which rarely happens with stuff i draw but the second reason why i'm proud of it is because dita actually saw it (laughs) (laughs) and i was like and she she saw it and she liked it i was like wow shit i don't know how to handle this and so i you know i was very happy that i'm proud of it because of how it turned out i'm proud of it because it was actually something that uh, the model it's based on enjoyed. That is high praise, and I I love it. I love it when people uh like if I do a if I do a morph of a specific figure, I always love it when they they like it too. You know, oh, I, I yeah. remember I did one of Mochi fairly recently that she actually started following me <laughs> uh, in response to, which was amazing. It's always it's very it's always very nice to get that sort of affirmation that the stuff you make is is nice to somebody, nice to somebody you admire. Can I make a suggestion though? The one thing that would probably make this better is if you actually, like, gave her some more, like, monstrous features. Like, what if you added, like, gave her, like, sort of a Godzilla muzzle? Yeah, more more monstrous features. Probably more texture to the skin. Because there were other things in that collection that did, like, I know Zoe Saldana's piece has a Rodan muzzle, and Mika Tan in that collection has almost... Hers was the fucking worst, too, because holy shit. It was it was the worst and the best, and I'm glad at how t- it turned out, but it took so long. I, I it was I, I, it's the reason why I didn't pick this. This one oh, I p- to pick that one, I picked this one because it was the simplest. The other one that I was gonna put in was one of a model that no longer is active named Paige Elliott, who is another model I admire. But yeah, uh I I enjoyed making this, so yeah. 
so my next one is uh, called A Difference in Pressure. I like this one. So I wanted to... So this is one of the um, the earlier ones in which I started working with uh, face app models, in which I basically take someone's image and then like combine it with other faces at, to make something like completely unrecognizable. So for this one, I wanted to illustrate sort of two different stages of blueberry inflation where like you have the earlier stage where you know you're filled with juice but you're kind of like you're blorby you're, you're kind of blobby you know it's not it hasn't seeped into every crevice of the subject's body you know and then the final stage or a final stage depending on whether you're into bursting or like the full berry transformation but like just show them like under maximum pressure to the point where they can't even really take anymore. Like, like I wanted to, a difference between oh, like yeah. a floppy berry and a taut berry, I guess. One that goes plat and one that goes drum noise. <laughs> yes. I like this piece a lot because first off you got the background, which establishes sort of like a presence. And then you got the, the two very distinctive shapes. You have the very, very tight looking almost on the verge of, you know, blamo blueberry. And then you got the, <laughs> The blueberry that looks like if you if you pat it, it would just make a nice little sort of slappy noise. <laughs> and she looks very looks very she looks very texture. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it is texture. She looks like the kind of person you'd want to use as a human vegan bag chair. There's if you've ever had like gelatin, looks like if you poked her, she she'd move like gelatin a lot. <laughs> yeah, I imagine like if you were to like just drop on the ground, she'd like wiggle and wobble a lot. There, there are some people who will just they, they get they get an idea and like they animate like their little inflated OCs like in those meme gifs where you like you see like somebody throwing something down and they just instead of like throwing the like water balloon or whatever down they throw their OC and their OC goes plat blue. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that happen. Um, but yeah, that would, you're, you're, the piece is very good and I like the differences in color too because you have the very soft blue and then you have the very intense, deep, and vibrant blue of the pressurized one. Again, I, I always mention that the more juices in somebody's system, the bluer and more saturated they get. My second piece is a written piece. I mostly do writing. I did have a period where I drew a lot uh, that was thoroughly beaten out of me. It was thoroughly beaten out of me by uh, doing art for classes. There is an illustration with this one. Uh, I'm guessing Bart of Swells did this? Uh, yeah, Bart of Swells did that one. I was I think it was our very first trade, me and him, if not one of the first ones. But it's called Taking a Chance, and it is an original inflation concept, or, or rather sort of a, a an interest, an original take on the gum transformation stuff. I like making candy, and I've, I've conceptualized tons of different things from different types of candy bars with different candy melts and different mix-ins to just... Uh, you know, different types of gum. And one type of gum I know I'll never be able to make because it requires so many things that I don't know how to make is chewing gum that has like popping rocks in it or popping stuff in it. So it crackles mm. in your mouth. And that was the sort of jumping off point. Like what if that was tied to some sort of explosive cherry thing? And the entire story itself revolves around changing into a, a cherry, but you're not filling with juice. You're just filling with some sort of weird pressure. It's it's vague as to what it is, and that's the point. And you're just sort of becoming a ticking time bomb. And then you inevitably explode, but you don't die. Uh, you reemerge from that explosion. It's a poof of red smoke and fireworks. And you reemerge with yellow and black hair. And you're red and I think kind of thicker was how I conveyed it, how I sort of imagined it. But basically you go from like human to cherry bomb or an exploding cherry to... 
uh, caution, a volatile substance person with yellow and black hair. And that was, that was how it went. And I'm, and I, and I'm very proud of how this turned out because, um, it was, it was very well received, but it was also just something that I was like, I was able to convey it. It's a very fantastical concept. Like, I like how outside of the box it is, especially with like the, the yellow and black hair sort of to indicate caution. Oh yeah. The, the, <laughs> it was really fun to just be like, well, I don't want them to die. Cause I, I like this character. <laughs> That was that was actually the reason why the the explosion didn't cause some sort of uh, terrible demise. Because I do I do enjoy popping in my stories. I do enjoy uh, weird monstrous demises. And like, I, but I like this character. She's sweet. And so it's just like, well, now if you explode, you transform into a new kind of person. So uh, see, I, I'm a sociopath because whenever I do like popping or like full berry transformation scenarios, it's like that's it. They're they're gone. <laughs> that's it. That's, no, that's it. fair. That's that's how it is with some of my more cosmic stuff. I have cosmic horror inflation stuff that oh god. I the I, I didn't put it in this batch because I just didn't I I like how it turned out, but I feel like I could do more with the concept, but I have a Lovecraft blueberry thing that just Cosmic horror inflation just sounds fascinating to me. Apparently, despite the fact that I've never read Lovecraft, there are some people who are like, Yeah, this is very Lovecrafty, and I'm like, okay. I don't know how to take that. I mean, look, as long as you have the two major ingredients, like cosmic horror and racism, like you've got the perfect <laughs> Lovecraftian story. Yeah, that is like, it was, it did sort of play on this thing. I tried to omit that shitty part to Lovecraft and tried to make it more nuanced, but it's, it's not easy. Uh, cause Lovecraft is a bastard and anything you make imitating him will become bastardous as well. Well, no, I think because he's dead, you know, making anything in his image these days, it's more of like a reclamation. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Let's be honest. I reckon the same thing will happen with Harry Potter fans a hundred years from now. Whoops, did I just uh, say that out loud? I, 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 I don't like Harry Potter so much. Uh, so as to the uh, the substance that she's being filled up with, I just had an idea. Like, what if she was like literally being filled with Pop Rocks? I mean, that's fair. I, I don't... See, the thing is, I never really wanted it to conceptualize anything because I wanted it to be some sort of just like... I think what I was trying to convey was that what was filling her up was the tension <laughs> just tension <laughs> the fantastical tension of the story itself because like it, it's it's so hard to convey visually and still bard did it uh which is very nice of him and i'm glad he did it but it's just like there's there's no way she's leaking uh the large I, like the way that i visualized it i think originally also there would be like the closer you got to it the more like you'd have your your belly button would glow and flash with a beeping noise <laughs> and the closer you'd get the more like you get hotter and hotter and like then boom and then red smoke fireworks it, it, it was i don't know where it came i was very i don't know where it came from but where it just came about so i just i just bring it up because i feel like pop rock inflation is kind of a new idea and something that is relatively unexplored so like if you you need inspiration or an idea like pop rock inflation I, I may do that, but with with the pop rocks and soda sort of thing. Ooh, that, that could be yeah, something like very fizzy that and stupid uh... myth that you can debunk in two seconds. <laughs> Yo, like like fucking like just drink a bunch of soda, pop some Mentos, and then just expand. <laughs> uh, so the the next one of mine, uh, the juiciest melon at the fair. This is actually a commission I did for the people at Kinky Utterances. 
they were doing a watermelon transformation audio piece and they needed something to go along with it. And I was tasked to make that and I feel like it came out very well. I like the texture of the skin. I like that a lot. I like the, the bulbousness of it because, you know, was the story called Don't Eat Watermelon Seeds or is that just a little tagline you put on the shirt? Because I, 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 think, I think it was called that. I... I actually, I forget. I feel like I actually named it the juiciest melon at the fair because it was named after the uh, the audio piece. Probably. Uh, I like the te- the skin color. I like the, the, the striping. I like, okay, looking at it further, I like how like in different parts where it would be fainter or darker, you have the more definitive coloration. And then you just have the red. The little It's a splash of red. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people go overboard with the redness of watermelons. And like they they don't take a moment to sort of make it a splash of you know red in in the watermelon piece, but yeah it it works very well and it's a very it's got a very nice shapely shapely roundness and whoever whoever the model is uh, uh very very lovely. The main guy at Kinky Utterances, uh, I think it, this might be one of the um this might be his wife uh, who also does oh. a lot of the voices. She was pregnant at the time. And they they got the opportunity. They figured like, oh, hey, well, we might as well seize the opportunity and uh, make something out of this. And I feel like perfect. The concept of fertility and watermelon seeds, like really kind of goes well together. I mean, hand in hand, like if I'm not mistaken, like melons have been used sort of as symbolism for that kind of stuff. I don't know, just the idea and concept of it alone. Yeah. I mean, they're synonymous. But yeah, no. uh, Shall we move on to my next one? Hell yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this is my favorite piece in terms of just the point it's trying to make and how absolutely not subtle it is i love playing around with the ideas of the oompa loompas being a lot more clever and cunning and and powerful than they're they're portrayed in both films because the oompa loompas are portrayed as these docile characters that are just in servitude to wonka by by choice because he he, he takes them in and, you know, everyone plays around with the idea that the Oompa Loompas are imps or they're demons or Wonka uh, enslave them or whatever. And, you know, I'm all for all those portrayals, but I wanted my the, – the way that the this the, – because this is a series. It's uh, The story itself is a point-of-view story. It's called To Tease the Means of Cream Production. And the entire concept of this universe started with this story. And basically, Wonka does not exist in this universe. He is an entire fabrication of a person. If he existed, he no longer does. I, I'm willing to lean on that uh, interpretation. But yeah, he, he and, and the Oompa Loompas have just been running everything. The factory spawned into existence. The Oompa Loompas have existed. And they just invite rich, annoying, pretentious, stupid assholes. People that are unbearable. And, like, and, and just lure them into kinky, disruptive demises. And I try and make them not fatal. I don't think I've made a popping one. Uh, there are some of them that are just ham-fisted and terrible, but this one I'm the most proud of because of just the concept of the Oompa Loompas that you get, because they're a lot more subtle than in later series. They're, they they basically lead this character that is already a, a bastion of size, and they pretty much subdue them. And I guess utilize them to make more weird candy. That's That was sort of the implication, but it was just a fun story to just throw down and be like, the Oompa Loompas are really cool. <laughs> I mean, like, I always, I'm a sucker for stories about the Oompa Loompas 
as you mentioned in the title, seizing the means of production <laughs> and running running the factory as like a co-op, basically. That's pretty much all it is. The, the way that I've sort of conveyed it, there is this one true like leader that you can, it, I think they're called Emerald Eyes. I don't give a name. Uh, it's supposed to be like an original, a parallel version of a, another OC I have, but in this universe, she's called Emerald Eyes. And basically she's just this mesmerizing sort of mystique Oompa Loompa. And that's it. <laughs> like, there, she really doesn't have any magical powers. She's just got strong eyes, and that's it. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, next piece of yours. I hope I kind of made my intentions with this one clear by the title. Uh, a juicy night of intimacy with a trusting friend. <laughs> I feel like you couldn't make them any more clear. For this one, I really just wanted to have like a intimate moment between the POV character, who, whoever they are, and this blueberry in sort of a uh, close, intimate setting, basically. Like have it be yeah. sort of this this whole lovey-dovey scene. It's nice yellow. It's nice yellow lighting. It's, me- yeah. it's mellow, warm lighting. Mellow um, and warm, nice and pleasant. You know, something uh, yeah, comforting, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do something different from the usual, like... Sexy! This, either sexy or terrifying when it comes to inflation. Like, something yeah, I more... Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't often get the wholesome fruit stuff. Yeah, I wanted... Uh, yeah, wholesome. That's kind of the word I'm looking for here. I wanted to make something wholesome. And, and here, here's the thing. This is going to get into art technicality stuff. You used what are complementary colors in very interesting ways. And the way that the orange plays off the blue makes it sort of that there's this nice little mellow kind of gray over overtone. And it makes it somehow has made blue, which is a cool color, a very warm color with the orange. Because the orange is the stronger of the two, where the blue is the more present of the two. And I think it has to do with the hair. I think it has to do with the the usage of lighting. The, the, thing that, the only thing that I could see doing with this to alter it in any way, if you did, would to be like, like make it look like an old photograph or, or like a, a screen grab from an old VHS, you know? That would be it, because it, it as a piece is it was very solid. I might probably I might consider doing that. Because like you know, for me, blueberry inflation has this weird proximity to that that old fuzzy television kind of thing, and it may be because of seventy one, you know, the old the, the old movie. But you know, blueberries just suit that kind of weirdness, that kind of fuzziness well, especially when they're wholesome. I like it. I like it a lot. Somewhere between the seventy one movie and those sort of lo fi hip-hop compilations that you listen to whenever you feel depressed yeah or if you have tons of shitty homework to do <laughs> or both or oh both. boy do i know both because yeah i feel like that would I, that would fit very well i, I might want to <laughs> might go back and revisit this but yeah no uh it's a very good piece very very strong the color the usage of color you have is very intelligent very well informed and I think this community has a very good understanding of color. There are very rare instances where I'd be like, that doesn't look right. Because a lot of people are, we just know color balance. And I think that's a newer thing. Because a lot of old blueberry inflation art didn't have that sort of awareness of color balance without formal training. Because the 71 movie is pretty, but it's also gaudy. <laughs> the choices of colors they made. Whew. <laughs> what if the 70s, but an entire film? <laughs> and like the 05 movie color matching is kind of like a given each of the rooms has has their own unique palette their own unique match to the character that's supposed to meet it made a demise in it so I, I think you definitely have such a very strong usage of color here and that's each, interesting because it's like i don't like i've never really i mean i've have taken art classes before but i've never i'm not really as familiar with a lot of this terminology as you are like i mostly just play this by eye 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's usually when you like color theory is usually like an eye based thing. Um, sometimes it's social, a lot of times it's socialized, but it is an eye based thing. Like, once you know what's pleasing to you, generally speaking, it matches along with a lot of the stuff that already ma- like works within color theory. Like, I I took a class in color theory. It's it, it was my minor. Like fine art was my minor. You know, I kind of have some expertise in this. So like, you know, it's it's very it's very fun to look at all of this art that we make because it's art. Everyone who says that smut is not art is a trash person who needs to get thrown into a very deep pit filled with ants. <laughs> They're bad eggs, and they need to go in the trash compactor. <laughs> bad eggs go down garbage hole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's that when i look at a lot of a lot of artists here know how to balance color very well and and there's no better example than this piece one it's very well balanced um and yeah if you like it, the only way that i would change it maybe just for fun would just have a little vhs overlay so uh yours oh this is something i'm very proud of in just the sheer task of what it was it's like 47 pages i consider this an opus of sorts not my magnum yet my magnum opus has yet to be fully written <laughs> and it alone was 47 pages long this uh and it's not done this was just a sort of short story i love beauty and the beast as a story it's one of my favorite disney movies uh just one of my favorite story concepts to this idea of somebody <sighs> there's a lot of symbolism in the story itself somebody who's ugly changing to somebody who's beautiful all the... somebody who's beautiful and you know kind of a standout person and like I, I like both of the animated and live action, and I think I made this around the time I saw the live action, or maybe like I don't know. I remember I I made this because uh, I know I made this for another reason that I will not disclose because it's very personal to me. But I intermingled a lot of different concepts to make this story. I intermingled a sort of specific view on southern masculinity and southern machismo. And different aesthetics of the of the of south of the south, specifically the state of Georgia, and Beauty and the Beast uh, aesthetics, and I kind of inverted the things. And in, in it does have you know a few like problematic elements because it's inverted in that way. But it tells the story of sort of like it's so hard to summarize what I, what I was trying to convey here. But it's it's just it's Beauty and the Beast meets Blueberry Inflation. It's supposed to be some sort of a romantic story and kind of like a a tense thing of sorts and i'm very proud of how it came out i would love to one day get like a commission for um a cover of sorts or something i'm sorry did you give a general plot summary as to what this was uh a young man moves into a town hears about an old house or like he's walking through the forest he finds an old decrepit house surrounded by fog he goes inside and sees this massive blueberry plant a massive blueberry plant and it turns out it's a person a woman and uh he finds it he travels to the house every day and then you find out that there's this guy trying to find her as well but he can't find her because the fog is barricading him and it's it's the you got the beats of beauty and the beast but you also got some newer elements or changes to the story itself interesting i encourage you all to read it on your own time it is 47 pages i spaced it out so that it's readable and the text is i think big but again, I do not expect any of you to fully read that in one sitting. As someone who's dyslexic, I'm looking at it now, and the yeah, the text looks perfectly readable. So, yeah. I tried to make it as accessible as possible just because it was such an important story to me. And, you know, who knows? If I ever make an anthology, like, book of Blueberry Kink stuff, I may throw it in there. I, I have a lot of weird 
kinky stuff I've done. I may probably uh, read it later myself because this sounds fascinating. I know for a fact that one artist liked it so much that he wanted to do an illustration from it. I was like, oh, I was generally surprised. I haven't heard from them in a while. I may, I may check in on them. I really don't mind how you take it away from it, Who, whoever reads it. But I, I would just enjoy that it was very well received for the amount of effort and stuff I put into it. I was, you know, I was very proud of it. I still am. Well, that's good. It's it's nice to see that something you're proud of has been well received and it, it paid off. And I, I wish you luck on your magnum opus in the future. Oh, God, this is going to take so long. <laughs> Anyways, your next piece. So, uh, yeah, the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, Prom Dates. So this one, I think this is the um, probably like the first piece I did in which I had like an inflated person and sort of a regular person standing next to each other as sort of a size comparison. Yeah. And this was the one I did before I ended up doing that art trade with uh, Villaru in which I did her OCs. I like this piece a lot. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to do that, and I also wanted to I, bury clothes or clothes on inflated people has always been something I struggled with, and I wanted to do something with that here too. This you pulled it off, I think, very well. It's something that when you're doing live stuff is never easy, uh, and there's plenty of shortcuts you can do, but they never look correct. This one, it's a dress, and that gives you a lot of leeway, a prom dress no less, which gives you even more leeway because prom dresses can literally be anything. You can just be like, hey, I'm going to wear a, I'm just going to wear an entire pile of Squishmallows for a prom dress. And you know what? Someone's going to pin it on their Pinterest board. But yeah, this looks like a little nice little slice of life piece. And I like the color choice. Like there is a very specific palette that like is very pleasing to the eye that, you know, I like I got into the color theory of the last one, might as well with this one. The red itself has its own little, you know, gradient and each individual color has its own gradient. But the general palette is white you have red you have blue you have dark blue and then you have like brown and hints of brown and then that's that's pretty much it and you brought it all together it's a very well balanced piece it's a very you know very interesting piece like you got you got this cute you got this cute cute little globe of a person you got their partner in front of them and you just it's 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 like a little slice of life it's very nice that's that's what i want to do like i feel like I think I mentioned this before, but I don't feel like there's enough like slice of life kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm fascinated with like the process of watching somebody inflate or blowing up into a, like a balloon or a yeah. blueberry or whatever. But like, what happens to them after that? What is their life like afterwards? It is always fun to explore what changes. Like some of the best conversations I've had with other creators and other people who like make content, consume content, just enjoy content from role play to anything. Uh, one of my favorite conversations to have is like, what happens afterwards beyond the initial fun? Where does their life change? How do they change? I, you know, there's Interagum and his, he has an entire canon on how people change with Blueberry that just, it, it fascinates me. There's him and then there's, there's Lashani and her logic. There is uh, Jingle and his logic. There, everyone has a different like aftermath, you know, a different like what happens after, what happens before, what happens during essentially the lead up. And it's always just fascinating to have those conversations and like to get those little slice of life ideas out and they flesh them out. And we're seeing a lot of creators start to dabble in that more too. I know for a fact that Bard and Lagos is are, are doing that with their work and you know bringing more slice of life content. And we're seeing that sort of rise in in prominence as well. We're even seeing that happen with like just filmed content with uh with people who like do stuff on Twitter and like you know pad their clothing or inflate and stuff. Like, what if I just played video games as a balloon? 
Veruca Gloop at one point um, did a like a photo set or a, like a brief video of her just sort of playing video games as just yeah. just a, in in the blueberry suit, and it's like imagine just having to live like that. Like, what would that be like? I have that clip. It's a very sweet clip. And honestly, it's just one of the most fun things to think about, isn't it? It's just, yeah. Because I remember the first time getting into this, it's like, yeah, like the initial shock and awe of seeing this kind of thing happen is fascinating. But what's even more fascinating is just imagining like, what now? What do? <laughs> For some people, the the end is when they explode. And you know, like, well, that's a very, that's pretty finite. <laughs> But you can even explore the, the craziness of that. You know, sometimes they're juiced, sometimes they can't be juiced. I know there's plenty of people who've done stories where, you know, the character is unable to be juiced and now they just live as a giant globe in the middle of a warehouse, essentially. I mean, like, it's a fun concept on paper, but I'm always a sucker for, like, the, the perma berries who can be juiced and they can, regular like, sort of juicings, live yeah. a semi-normal life as long as they're, like, just regularly juiced over and over again. I had a little short story myself, I think it's called In the Blue Hue of Night or something, where basically a character has to get up in the middle of the night and juice themselves, uh, because it's it's if they don't, they will be immobilized, uh, and that's dangerous. And I just, it's very cool to explore that concept. So uh, what was the last one you wanted to do? The last one in my repertoire was something I was very proud of in terms of how hard it was to pull off, and yet how well it was received because of that. It's called Overripe, The Decadent Descent into Madness, and there are three versions. I, I made three versions, specifically so that the point of view uh, can be gendered to whomever wants to be it, to be gendered to. Um, and I could probably make more versions if somebody requests a personal version. Um, I may need payment, though, because that, that takes time. It takes, like, 20 minutes to like go through all of it because my computer decides to brick itself the moment like i start opening the story but it is uh it is a three version story where there is a male a female and a non-binary protagonist and a male female non-binary wonka and basically you can just sort of read it as you want i think actually no the point of view itself is genderless and you can just imprint whatever and then the wonka is is the male, female, or non-binary. And I chose different things to exemplify with the Wonka, different things, like, in terms of their attractivity, different things to exemplify with, you know, what's happening. Um, but ultimately, it's a blueberry slob piece, so it's not for everybody. Uh, you, you turn up into a, you turn into a giant, uh, a giant fruit blob, but, you know, um, and apparently it was very well received by a lot of people. A lot of people liked it. I enjoyed making it. And it was very fun to just sort of go from go from subtle hedonism to pure unadulterated hedonism and sort of like go from shy to just giving in it was mm. fun just just being a giant pig <laughs> yeah a giant spherical pig the way that i envisioned like the the reveal of wonka's giant warehouse of just fruit slobs as i call them was like you wa you waddle in as the giant globe that you are already because you're already just you start off a pretty blobby and juicy um you start off waddling down and then you turn around and you just see just a mass of different like yellow orange uh purple you just everybody is some fruit and they're all just having the most massive incredible time <laughs> um but yeah that was the sort of whole point it was to make it both accessible but also incredibly weird and incredibly fun i love doing the weird explorations of that kind of stuff being accessible and weird is always the best combination because it, oh, it yeah. means that the most amount of people are going to get exposed to something that either 
either it's not really their thing or they didn't even know they liked and now they have a new thing i had somebody tell me like was it wrong for me to want to just get into this and like no that's the the entire point of this piece was to just be like to pull on the hedonism parts it was to immerse that part and to you know have fun with it like the entire point of it was just like to make the what is usually a very gendered thing uh a very non-specific thing so that anyone can access it that was that was the point of it i wanted i just wanted i wanted a piece where the wonka could be whatever you wanted it to be so long as it matched your specific taste preferences and you know like i said i can make more of this one if you want a specifically tailored version but like the the i just enjoyed making a a piece of complete decadence like it just plays on those ideas and just fucked around with them how about we go to your last piece so so the last piece i wanted to show was blueberry sunday so this is (laughs) so cute one of the few uh, shrinking inflation pieces I did, and shrinking inflation or shrinkflation, as the community regularly calls it, like it is one of my favorite subcategories or whatever you want to call it, and I always love doing it, but it's always hard to do it convincingly. Like, yeah, there are a lot of uh, shrinking giantess or like just size change pieces in general that. I'm not always convinced by them because, like, it's very clear, like, you just took a normal-sized person and then, like... Scaled them. Copy-pasted them onto, like, a city background or some countertop or some place where they look tiny, you know? The amount of 3D model pictures where it's just... They took the model itself and scaled it up so big that it's absurd is uncountable and disturbing. It's one of those kinks that's, like, easy to visualize but really hard to master that visualization. And I wanted to try and do that here. I think you pulled it off very well. I think also this, like the, the more absurd the concept, the more stylized your stuff becomes. And the more like, you know, the more mon- like the more mundane, the more regular of a concept, the more convincing it becomes. Because like after a certain point, you have to forego the reality and just embrace the absurdity, I think, you know? I kind of walked the line on that a little bit because I like to have my stuff grounded to some extent like i don't usually like to go too crazy with my concepts because like i want to have that sort of suspension of disbelief secured um yeah but then there are times where like the absurdity kind of circles back in on itself that like i've suspended disbelief enough to the point that i can get away with certain things yeah i mean yeah that's fair no it's totally fair and the uh the model in question. So this was before I started using FaceApp to like make fake people. I got into a habit of using Hitomi Tanaka for a lot of my morphs uh, for oh, a yeah. while. Uh, so she unfortunately um, uh, announced that she is retiring uh, yeah, recently. She's finishing her career up. I mean, you know, good for her if yeah. that's what she wants to do. I wish her the best. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a nice thing to close out on because like this is a very cute piece. And I, I like... I've found that Hitomi Tanaka is a favorite of this fucking community because I think I think the ideal, the reason why, sort of hypothetically, would just be, or there, there's no easy way of convincing Hitomi to do something for this community because there's a language barrier and then there's the concept barrier. There's the cost of customs because she is a professional. She's been doing this for years. She knows her rates. So it was just the unachievable that sort of drew people's eye and drew their attention but like also she just looks a good blue (laughs) 
I don't know why, but blue is just a color that looks good on her. I just think they're neat. <laughs> I just think they're neat. But yeah, I, I wanted to, like, shrinking inflation is always something I love doing, and it's always something that I, whenever I do it, I want to do it well. And I think that's kind of a reason why I haven't really done too many other pieces like this, because I just, I need, like, the right circumstances to fall into place to do that kind of thing. The planets must align a certain way, and sometimes they don't. There's also, I think there's also kind of a Vor thing going on with this, because, like, oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not normally into Vor, but for whatever reason, like, the idea of this small berry person just covered in chocolate and whipped cream it's, it, uh, it looks tasty okay it I mean, looks tasty i totally get it i totally get it. i have i have several pieces myself that have implicit but not explicit uh vor in them though some of them just directly it, they're meant to be horror pieces and that's what they are but yeah no it's it's really well done i'm very i enjoy it a lot well thank you I love it. It's very cute. Uh, so shall we close this out, run this out? I think this is, we've reached the end of our circle jerk. Yes. That's this what this was. It was fully supposed to be a circle jerk. Really, I just want, I want all of you to, from this, I want y'all to start jumping off and like, start thinking about different artists you appreciate from like, because we mentioned a lot here in terms of inspiration and collaboration and how certain pieces came to be. Uh, you know, you have you have Bardiswells, you have Lagos, you have different people that Sassy's interacted with. I think uh, I think Riddler Core and you know Candy Cane. There are just quite a few different ways in which you can engage with you know art and and the art that we make, and the art that people make, and the art that everyone sort of creates. And I think we should all start having some sort of you know fondness and appreciation because part of the reason why you know we struggled to is because. We look at this art as, you know, not art, as it's like, well, there's Leonardo da Vinci, and then there's this. I'm like, yeah, it's comparing apples to eggs. Of course they're different. They're, they're not going to be the same. They're, 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 you're comparing everything that's not the same. Like, it's just, you know, everyone should be able to engage in the art that they like, you know, they, without, you know, feeling like that's a bad thing. And that's what I want people to sort of do with this sort of little session. Take what we've done and start thinking about other artists that you follow and appreciate with it, you know? The idea of Leonardo da Vinci doing inflation art is an idea that... You've basically implanted that in my head and now I can't get it out. Renaissance Barry. Renaissance Barry. Renaissance, Renaissance Barry. <laughs> Bottom text. Yeah, what if, what if you would just, like, take classic paintings and then just, like, repaint them as blueberries? You know, if I had been better at portraiture, I would have probably done something like that. But I suck at portraits. I'm good at concept art. I'm good at sh silhouette art. You've seen some of the shit that I've made actual painting. Uh, mm -hmm. And, like, I still have to fucking deliver you your dinosaur piece, which is fully finished and has all the stuff to hang it on a wall. Oh, um, boy. Like, I, 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 did, I finished it all, and then the next day I came in, screwed in the different things to make sure they can hang properly. I was very... But, like... I'm better at silhouette work. I'm better at like monsters and stuff. People, uh, I cannot do, but I would love to do something like that because I love painting. Any closing statements? Trans rights. Fuck Greg Abbott and f fuck the state of Texas. BBWs are not normal sized people. They're they're plus size. Don't. <laughs> How did Pornhub fuck that up? I, I just... they're they're like people, but they're squishy. <laughs> I'm so I'm so baffled. How... How? How did they fuck that up? I don't know. <laughs> it's one job. Clearly the people at Pornhub don't have an eye for BBWs. Well, they're Pornhub. Half their categories can be considered 
either slurs or prejudiced. <laughs> <sighs> but like, oh, it's so funny to think. Like, like I, I just... like, I love, I love looking at trans porn for the sake of representation. But like, when you you have all of this other this other shit involved involving like stereotypes and slurs, it's like, uh... yeah. I mean, it's just the nature of porn is just full of like that kind of taboo shit, and we can work through that as best we can but sometimes sometimes the sites just perpetuate it's just ugh. but yeah no um this is a good episode i enjoyed doing this i enjoyed this with all of you and i hope you guys can you know have fun with it go appreciate other artists and the different creators who both buy and make their own content uh you know mads is stacked and, and glenador and all that stuff just enjoy the stuff that you consume and and embrace the the weirdness inside of you Embrace the weirdness inside of you. That That is very inspirational. Yes. If you cannot embrace it, it will consume you. <laughs> the rule of the dark side. Anyways, um, so, but yeah, you, you have, uh, uh, goodbye, guys. Stay safe and healthy. Enjoy your evening, morning, night, lunch, whatever. Bye-bye. <laughs>